listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again is Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Yeah, that's <laughs> that sounded pretty reserved. And, you know, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, and we got a tease for that in just a second, you'll see that Kevin, you know, looked a little reserved about that. And uh, the no, Flyers have been a little rough recently. No, it's, it's you know, I am doing well, though, then. Well, good. I'm, it's... it's I'm, you know, I'm healthy. I've got no yeah. other issues. Things are good, you know, everywhere else. Well, I'm glad that regardless of the issues with this team, you at least personally are doing very well. Yeah. Uh, but I mentioned uh, I mentioned the YouTube channel, and I did want to mention right off the top that we do have a couple changes. Uh, if you've been watching on our YouTube channel, you'll know we have some new graphics. Thanks to Kevin for that. And also, if you're not watching on our YouTube channel, why not? So we decided that this week, uh, this episode is actually going to be a little bit of a pilot for us, and we're going to live premiere it, and the plan is to drop it at 8 o'clock Eastern time every Sunday. If there's games that we kind of end up running late, we've done it before. If you've been with us for a while, you know sometimes the show goes up a little late if the Flyers play on Sunday. Uh, but right now, the plan is to premiere this every Sunday on YouTube at 8 p.m. Eastern, so tell your friends, share it, et cetera, et cetera, and... There's there's going to be a few down the line. There's a distinct possibility we may still do the live show thing a little later because sure. there's a couple. It, it, they don't play on Sunday a lot, it, well, especially over the foreseeable future. They barely play on Sundays for like the next month and a half at least, I think. Right. And then you've got like from mid-March until the end of the season, you've got a bunch of these Sunday games just rolling right on through. But some of them like have a unique time, like which certainly – Certainly, we'll probably still do this and continue to do the eight o'clock time with whatever we record in the morning for a couple of these games. Like, there's a home game at seven, there's a road game at six, a road game at seven. Like, those we'll just continue to do in order. But there is a home game. Well, we'll, we'll you know what? We still have to discuss that because there is a Sunday home game at two, which is a perfect lead in for a live show. I agree. My issue with that weekend that we'll have, end up having to get into we'll cross that is, bridge when we get to it oh. is um that it will is that it's the day before the trade deadline and i don't know if we want to do a show the day before the trade deadline with activity pending i think who plays and doesn't play in that game is going to be very interesting well i have a theory about one player that we'll get into so but we, we might as well start with like uh, again i'm going to say the same line as from last week we should get into the you know the big story is yeah. Uh, so what I was going to, yeah, those Sunday shows might be a little tough to do live just because I'm not going to lie to you. I already feel like we're limping down the stretch and we're only halfway through the season. <laughs> the The big story here, in case you somehow managed to miss this one, uh, the Flyers have two 10 game losing streaks in their first 40 games of the season, including the 11 game winless streak they are currently on. Topped off, well, topped off at the moment by an absolute drubbing by the Buffalo Sabres. And that is not a sentence that gets said very often in the 2020s or even really the 2010s, to be honest. <laughs> You're up 2-1 in the first period of that game and you allow the next five goals to the Buffalo Sabres, including, I believe it was three in about two and a half minutes. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not looking up, by the way, because I'm looking something up. Because you said it doesn't happen very often. It does not happen very often. Right, but it's January 22nd when the when the game takes place. We're recording on the day after, obviously, so it's yep. the 23rd. But it was the 22nd that the game happened. I, I I've kind of described because I keep if if you want to lump anything in from last year, 
it's been a year then because last season started on January, January. 13th. Yep. Like it was it's literally been maybe a calendar year. So I've got Jan let's see, January eighteenth, six one loss to Buffalo. I've got March thirty first, six one loss to Buffalo. Like they've given up six goals to that team three times in the last calendar year, essentially. And that's not a team that's given up that's scoring a whole lot of goals. It's not. It's like their best players, Rasmus Dahlin. They don't have a whole lot of offensive firepower. Kyle Ocposo isn't really an offensive option in, you know, in 2022. Yet here we are, and they're putting six <laughs> up on us every time we play. Now, we did see, we did see Peyton, Peyton Krebs score his first and second goal. Um, probably the biggest young prospect piece out of the Jack Eichel trade. So for the Buffalo Sabres organization, you know, there's a little bit of a bright spot, something to look forward to. What's that like? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and he scored two. And I mean, at a certain point, it's like playing tennis with the net down. But man, you just can't. I don't even know. How did we get here, Kevin? How are we? How is this team so pathetic? Because that's the word, right? Like, we've gone past sad, we've gone past bad. We're getting dangerously close to pathetic. They already are there. I mean, yeah. it's already there. It, I, I, how did it get here? It beats the hell out of me because other than that you didn't have a clear-cut path that everything's patchwork with this team, everything from one season to the next is let's try to put a Band-Aid over it and see how quickly we can fix it so that you can throw you know throw the wool over people's eyes for one more year because that's not happening anymore i mean i don't know again i know you're not specifically on twitter we've talked about this but i looked around the house i was gonna start this show with a paper bag on my head oh geez. we didn't have any in the house so i couldn't do it unfortunately but i certainly was gonna show up on our youtube channel live premiere etc etc this whole new pilot thing i was talking about with a bag on my head because that's what this team deserves. Well, did you like? Did you see? Because twice this week I put out. I think Tuesday I did, and then Thursday I know I did, but Tuesday I think I did it too, where I put out pictures of what the crowd looked like at at a certain point. I think actually on Tuesday it was. I did it even worse than the first time around. I waited until the building filled up a little bit. Well, it was about five minutes into the game when I did. the The other one I did at puck drop, which okay, Pe it got a little aren't bit rushing to get there for puck drop for this team. No, I would say it's I would say it's the opposite. Not that people aren't rushing to get there, but you don't have to rush when traffic is non-existent to get down there on a night that, when they play. Yeah, because it's starting to look pretty sparse in the Wells Fargo. I left. Seats. I left for Thursday's game slightly slightly later than I usually do, and 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 bear in mind, I'm leaving earlier than most because I'm trying to get to my spot way early. Like I got to get in. I want to park the car. I want to get into the building and get upstairs so I can start to at the very bare minimum start to set up and get myself in, into position to work for the night. Sure. You know, I don't, most people don't have that problem where it's, hey, I got to set up my workstation right. when most I get there. Scan your ticket, get a beer, get to the seat. Basically, yes. So it's not the same thing. But I left maybe, you know, so for a typical 7 o'clock game, my goal is to leave around, you know, probably by 4.30. That's a good goal to have. I think I left at five or close, very close to five. Like it was either five of five or five yeah, o'clock on the dot. You're playing dangerous games driving through Philly at five o'clock. Not, not with this team. I'm not because nope. it took me. It took me the same 25 minutes that it always does to get down there. And I was in the building just shy of or right around 5:30, just like I always am. 
Yeah, so I, I was watching one of the games the other day, and I, I noticed how sparse the crowd looked. I think it was the Columbus game. It had to. It was probably that one, yeah. And because there might have, I mean, I don't know what the exact. We don't. We obviously do not get the exact number of people that sat down in their seats for the game. Right. You get you get a paid attendance number, and I will say even that number is well certainly not completely accurate based on who's actually there. It's not. It's not like they're trying to hit you with. We sold eighteen thousand tickets to this game, so the paid attendance is eighteen thousand. But there's not that many people there. It, it, like you would go like they would say it's nineteen thousand two. Like it would, you would go from nineteen thousand two hundred to where. You know, it wasn't exactly that number. There were empty seats, but it was it was closer to that number. It, it was the people who couldn't sell their season tickets on StubHub because they were listening kind for of, too but, much. Like, we've yeah, had that for of, all eternity. You knew, you knew that if it, if they were telling you it was 19,200, let's just say, and it wasn't really 19,200, but it was probably 17,500. Minimum, yeah. That's safe. You know, you were it wasn't a sellout, but it wasn't like there was thousands of empty seats. Then it started to shift to I was I remember seeing a couple of games really early in the year where you were kind of back to the well now they were topping off at maybe seventeen four in paid attendance which with, means there's thirteen no, or fourteen with, in the building with maybe fourteen in the building thirteen in the building whatever and now the numbers are saying fifteen like something and and I honestly think that at Thursday's game you were lucky if you had eight to nine thousand in that building yeah it's starting to crater and like. To be fair, it deserves to be. Again, we talked about it. You have two 10-game losing streaks in the first half of the season. Like, the game on Saturday against Buffalo was game 40. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So, you have or, a t- or No, no, no. The game against, we say against Buffalo. I'm sorry. Thursday, or Thursday, Thursday was 40. Was 40. Right. Buffalo was 41, which is why this show, like, the show is perfect where it is right now for what we're doing. We are exactly we're halfway exactly through the season. exactly halfway. Although, and, and it, it's the thing, I've heard a lot about it, you know, over the last few days, obviously. It... it doesn't it feel like this was a good, you know, I, I had somebody tell me, say this earlier. Doesn't it feel like they've played 92 games? It feels like they've played 192 games. Every game feels like it takes 14 hours. I feel like I'm watching the Two Towers and Return of the King back to back during a during a Flyers game. It's um, awful. Now, now for, for what it's worth, and I will say, truthfully, I will say this. I didn't feel like Saturday's game against Buffalo took that now may and I don't know whether it was the early start, like hey, it was one o'clock. So you look up at the clock and you go, Oh, hey, it's three o'clock. So like the game's well out of hand. It's gonna like it wasn't six yet. I think it was five two. So it's five two going to the third period. And but you look up and you're like into a certain point of the third period and go, Oh, hey, it's only three o'clock though. Like right. you those times you actually kind of do feel like you're getting a portion of like it's one thing like the game against um the Islanders on Tuesday. That went to a shootout, nine rounds of a freaking oh, shootout, God. Where, where nobody for either side could score. Um, that was Return of the King Extended Edition. That game, like I didn't, I don't think I actually realized it in the moment because you're like they they do whip through the rounds of the shootout. I will say that, but 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 because the officials do a good job of keeping it moving. But it, well, but the issue with the things with the shootout is is that by the time you get through, you know, by the time you get through sixty minutes, then the five of overtime. The dry then, scrape. Then, the, then they do yeah. a dry scrape before the shootout even begins. So yeah, you've got all that going against you. You you end up locked into what the shootout is because like to for me for work to live tweet it, which I don't do every shooter. I basically do, I do every round. I do okay. one for like hey round one blank shot for this one score. 
you know, no Checkmark score emoji or X emoji. I don't go that far because okay. I'm not going to get the emojis up quick enough to get to the next person to be because I'm got to get them. You just got to get them in your recently used. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. It's not like it's not like that completely. Either, no, I know. And, um, but either way. Well, I did want to point out here uh, just something I just noticed. Neither one of us is wearing Flyers gear. And and we tend to wear a lot of Flyers gear here. I know. I mean, you, I haven't you know. as much as you think. I I know, but this is the first it, time it, I think I've did. noticed that neither of us are. And that's no. Nah, you did a show a couple weeks ago where I picked up on it later. But then again, oh, I'm the one you? who gets okay. it. But I'm the one who uploads the video to YouTube. So. That's fair. You you spend more time looking at it than I do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that building is gonna get pretty empty, man. I I could easily see them getting down into the six, seven, eight range, like kind of on a consistent basis, and. They're probably not going to dip much lower than that because there's enough people who just kind of like going to the games and there's people who have their I've been to every home game since 1981 or, and that's and, great. And there's still going to be people who do. Sure. And and honestly, like I said, I was watching the game the other night and one of the things I noticed was how empty it was. And I was the kind of person when I when I lived in the area and went to games frequently, I would wait and I'd buy StubHub tickets at about quarter after six. Oh, man, you can get you can probably get some pretty sweet seats for a pretty good deal right about now. It might be your only I, chance to sit ice row. You know, I haven't checked just to see what it is because I have a ticket that, to the game. <laughs> well, well, no, because well, I guess in part, but no, I, I haven't checked because I don't. I don't really care about whether what the prices are in the secondary market or how it's how right. much is available or whatever. Like at the end because at the end of the day that that also still doesn't solve your problem no do they make money off of that person for the ticket no they don't the team does not right in that sense they you know the ticket's already been paid for so the team's made money off of the ticket that was already previously paid for Uh and usually in these cases it's the seller who's taking a loss because you're going to be you're at this point you're selling it for pennies on the dollar Oh, you're mitigating losses absolutely but what but the problem is is that they are still making money off of the person who buys the ticket, not from the ticket, but everything else. How did you get there? I mean, are, unless you took public transportation in, you're paying or, for got a, or got a ride, you paid for parking. Unless you know, unless that's why I, you, that's why I park in the Jetro a lot. <laughs> no, unless you ate before you went down and bought your ticket sitting in the middle of like, like here's a perfect example. Unless you bought your ticket while you're sitting in Chickies and Pete's, like a couple blocks away, then. You didn't. You then you're going to eat there, yep. and that's going to contribute to what goes back into them. You know, no. like they are still getting something from you at the end of the day, and and you could sit there and and chop those tickets down from whatever they typically are to bare bones minimum, right? And go, oh, you know what? You're sitting lower level for fifty bucks. You're sitting upper level for twenty, and I got seats once three rows off the glass for thirty bucks. I hear you, and sometimes people get really desperate just to get rid of them to just have to cut some there. losses because you paid one hundred and forty dollars, and well, if I can get twenty five, I'll take twenty five just because it's not nothing. But yeah, I. But well, either way, we, we've so. talked about it before. We can't expect Comcast as a large corporation that owns this team. We cannot expect them to make changes while the number is still green, and you know the empty seats, the. All these things we're talking about are going to make a difference. Maybe not right away. And yes, we know that Comcast, as a corporation that makes billions a year, can eat the losses kind of infinitely. No, at, but, but at a certain feel, point, it, it does matter. It, it does, but see, but they'll start to feel the impact of something like that because a half full building 
is not going to help you with everything else. Especially after Especially, a season last year where you couldn't have fans for the first half of the season. Well, all right. And so here's the other part of the equation that makes it tough to talk about the attendance specifically. Because to like the bigger number that's going to come out down the road or whatever you're going to find out when it comes to attendance isn't going to happen during this season. It's going to be into next season because it's when you get to renewals that's going to be the real telltale. Like there's there's I think too that many numbers going to go down. Right, because there's too many people who halfway through the season, as bad as it's been, it's out the door, forget the playoffs. It's they're not doing anything with that. They're going to challenge for a high draft pick. They're going to finish really low. They're going to have a lot of questions to answer. They're going to have a lot of problems to try to solve. Right? It's, it's not just like a singular, well, the team did this or the team did that or whatever, and it's and go get this to fix it. There's too many things to fix that it's not going to – it's probably not going to happen in the course of the next year. Like, it's not going to be that simple. Right. So the question becomes, like, how many people this season – and I believe that the number was something like – because Dave Scott actually said it pre like preseason during one of his availabilities. I think the number was something like 13,000. That okay. they sold thirteen thousand, and that and that explains the fifteen thousand four paid attendance because that you get a those lot. Those tickets are just kind of sold they're just already. There. Yep, they're there, and and I would I would venture a guess that most of the majority of the people who are buying tickets for the single game that night, or who end up with tickets for a single game, are fall into one of two categories. They either are buying the day of walk up revolutionary row twenty five dollar ticket at the top, which for, which, by the way, that section was virtually empty. I imagine it's going to be pretty game. empty for a while. That was virtually empty last game. And then the other thing you have to factor in is there's two other areas, and uh, I'll lump them together, but they are kind of separate. It's either fans of the opposing team, because obviously we've talked about the Ranger game where yep. that was a crowded. There were Islander fans in the building on Tuesday. There were Columbus fans in the building on Thursday in some capacity. Now, in Columbus's case, and this is a really significant one when it comes to people being in the building, Columbus has a player on the roster, and he's not like a prominent player, like top of the depth chart kind of thing. But he's in the he's a regular in the lineup. He's played like the whole season. It's Eric Robinson, who is local, so okay. his whole family is there, or most okay. of his family is there. So you have an like an entire noticeable section that is very clearly Columbus oriented, but the kids from South Jersey, like, yeah, right? Like when when local. Johnny Gaudreau comes back, there's a flame section too. It just kind of how it works. Well, right and. And I mean, they already had that game earlier and that, you know, all that type of stuff. But like exactly that point, like, yes, there's going to be people who show up for that, those types of types of things as well that kind of. But the interesting part to me is like that. So that falls into. I'm sure there's like a selection of a certain grouping of tickets that are on hold for things like of that nature. Hey, sure. a players coming players back get or, certain amount or of tickets players, families or whatever, right. like like. Like, it's that kind of thing, you know? So, But it, it's bad when the attendance is so sparse that you're noticing that. Like, guys get tickets for every game. Guys have families show even, up for most games. Like, you know, family's there even, all the time. But even, even okay, yeah, even with the amount of people, like you said, you know, go, go, you know, go, people have tickets and they show up every game or something like that, like that. There are enough cases where people who buy their season tickets, whether they're the person who intends to use every single, all 41 home games or not, like the people who don't usually have either a selection of people who they sell to regularly, they sell like a portion of the package to, 
almost like a almost like a partial plan with a lot a of people plan. split yeah or or whatever or or even just you know you can throw it out there i mean how many people do you know who have season tickets to any sport you know any sports franchise it doesn't have to be this one that have tickets to any sports franchise that end up going on like say facebook day of game or two days before a game and go hey you've got tickets or, or better yet the ones i like that like that i see the most are people who go on like with a month to go not until the said game but like okay it's january Come i have tickets. no but i have rangers penguins and Blue Jackets still available, and all they did play all three of those teams in the month, so that's why I'm going with it. Right. Like you go, I have those three available. It means that the San Jose game's accounted for, or I'm using it, and the Islander game is accounted for, or I'm using it, or whatever. But I have three games. Here's the price. Who wants them? Send me a message. You know that kind of stuff, and that stuff happens all the time. Oh yeah, my and my I family's now, had four Eagles. My family's had four Eagles season tickets for years and years and years. And every season, it's well, what game are you going to? What game are you going to? And we split the whole season up, you know, five or six rows deep in the end zone. They're great seats, but <laughs> but either way, like you can't even give them away right now. No. Like there's people who can't, and then there's people who practically are to people who they don't know because of the fact that that that's what StubHub is. But you got people saying, "Well, I don't really want to pay for parking. I don't want to pay twelve dollars for a soda. I don't want to pay right. thirteen dollars so for a slice of Lorenzo's." You know, makes it hard. Which, which, Going to a game is expensive more so than well, the tickets. Which no, which by the way, because you brought up the pizza thing, like I don't even know if that's in there anymore. I think that's not even in the building. Oh, anymore. is it like, not? I haven't like obviously I haven't been to the Wells Fargo Center in a couple. There was of a seasons whole big. Now, there was a whole big thing. Crossing Broad had a little something on it. It was if a they while. Took Lorenzo's ago. out. That's a bummer. But it, it, well, it was something that had to do with the. It, there was a whole thing because it had to do with the lease or how much they had to pay to be in the building in the first place for one, okay. and then. And then once they weren't in the building anymore, there was also this whole big investigation or debate about or like this eventual like case of they had like whatever the cheapo version of that would be kind of like a basic no name, whatever, selling giant pizza. Interesting. So it was Some basically scandal. a ripoff. Yeah, it was kind of scandalous, but I mean, Beside the point. Yeah. Paying $7 for a slice of pizza is a ripoff Beside no matter point. how good it is. But if it's Cause, bad, cause that's just, even no, worse. Because you just said something, and, and I, I want to bring up what I was – because I went on yeah. I went on 97.3 earlier in the week. I, I was on twice this week, I, which uh, that's almost hard for me to even fathom because of the fact twice in a week where – With how bad know, they are. With how bad they are, how irrelevant they are, all of that type of stuff. Um, it, you know, so I go I, – I went on and, – and I hadn't been on the air with them Prior to like, I think I went on prior to like the Seattle game okay. back in the end of December. So, so now picture, if you will, though, what happened or what was going on the last time that I would have gone on when the Seattle game starts. They're in the middle of they're they're going out west. They're going to play on the west coast, and they're coming back from the holiday break where they just went in with five tri- games with with five a five game point streak. Right, and there's. Right? Not still on the point streak, but the point streak had just gotten snapped to the LA Kings. No, 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 not before this one. This is before Seattle game. So they they have gone on a five. Oh, right, right, right. They're still on the. Point they streak. win. Okay. They win that night in overtime, and then they got the game the next night two overtime. So again, and it, like I I pointed this out on Thursday, the irony with the two streaks that we're going to talk about here is that both of them started with a game where you sit there and you actually kind of go, 
all right, you take it. It's a point. You didn't probably didn't deserve to win the game, or you, or maybe you did. Like actually, because actually they did on the first go round when they played Tampa Bay, and they almost lost, and then got it to still got it to overtime. Right. They actually probably deserved to win the game because they were playing really well in the third period. They played solid hockey a, in that game, and it was a fluky goal at the end. It almost got, gave you nothing, and then Giroux scores to tie the game, and you go, okay, hmm. you got something out of it. That's huge. You 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 were eight seconds away from nothing. You got a point. So. To get to whether you would have won the game in overtime and gotten a ninth win on the season and gone to nine four and two, or whether you would have you lost like you did in the shootout and you go to eight four and three, fifteen games in eight four and three, and nineteen points isn't really terrible. I don't feel bad about that. No, no. you're st- and especially if you're still kind of getting to a certain point. Like it was still mid. You weren't at Thanksgiving yet. You're kind of like okay, you're you're coming up on the quarter mark, so you kind of want to get it together soon, but. You're you're still earning points. It's not right. like you're not getting points, you know. And then in this one, now this one obviously where they were in the standings at this point when this streak started, when the point when the seven game point streak ended, or or when it reached seven games, it's not ideal. Like you're not right. going to sit there and start talking playoffs right away, but you are sitting there looking at the team going, you know, at, tip as is typical when it came to everything else. Like they had a ten game losing streak that ran from mid-November to mid-December, basically. And then you kind of almost wondered with the seven-game point streak, and they won five of the games, by the way, so it wasn't like it was just, oh, here's three wins and four overtime losses. It was five wins and two overtime shootout losses. Right. So five zero and okay. two is like a, a very good seven-game stretch. It's a solid enough, by record, it's a solid enough stretch that, yes, it, it, you you can't help but acknowledge that they're regularly putting together points. Right. You like, you might acknowledge that they're not as good as they've been on the seven-game stretch, but you probably start thinking they're not as bad as they were during the 10-game losing streak that immediately preceded it. Yeah. I mean, but but either way. So that that's where this one starts. So you're not encouraged. Like, it's still a loss. Now, now granted, here's, here's where you give them not the benefit of the doubt because – I don't know that they had earned it with one 10-game losing streak already. But when they go in and that seven-game point streak, it's not, it's not even that it gets snapped. When they lose the last game of the seven-game point streak, and it's an overtime, you do kind of give them a slight benefit of the doubt going into the next game because you don't want to just sit there and chalk it up to, well, they're back to their old ways. Right. It was an overtime loss. You got a point. You've played two games coming out of this long, week-long pause, and well, which for them ended up being more than a week. It was almost going to be a week. But then the Tuesday game got nixed before the holidays. Now you haven't played in 10 days before you came back, 10, 11 days. So a win and an overtime loss to get three out of four points in the first two games back is not bad when you're you're trying to continue what you had started to get going at the end of all that. And so if they win win the next game in L.A., it's probably a different conversation. Sure. Because you're going, all right— that was just a one-off again, the overtime loss. They came back. They bounced back. And even if they lose that game and come back with, you know, and granted, okay, what happened next after they lost to L.A.? You got they it. went to go into Anaheim, and now the COVID issues are spiking. So now you're missing guys in the lineup. So now you know you're shorthanded beyond just the normal, like the typical guys who are injured. Now you're really shorthanded. And so, like, you played L.A., for the third for the third time in four games with or well or fourth time in fifth games I'm sorry or whatever it is it, you know with no Carter Hart yep you know Hart didn't play the last game before the pause and he didn't play in the first three after so you go all right that's a little bit of a, an issue I mean let's this way if you got through those four games with a two one and one record 
you're kind of okay with it. If you, if you told me that Carter Hart was going to miss the next four games, the team's going to go 2-1-1, one, and one, I'd be like, okay, that's great. Fantastic. Right. So, but you do, but you play that L.A. game, and the L.A. game, there's two issues with the L.A. game. It's not just a loss. Like, you can go back and look at the record of that game. Or not the record. Like, the, the way that that game played out. And the score is what the score is. Like, it, it's not going to tell you the whole story. Like, yeah, okay, I see. Like, it, it's a 6-3 game. I'm not denying that. But they got scored on 12 seconds into the game. Right. And like. when that happens, like, it's something big that Cam Atkinson said this week because he talked about it in the Columbus game. They gave up a goal and the bench got deflated. They know they give up the first one. They're probably not winning the game. Yeah. That's just what the numbers say, and it's in their heads. And that's the mentality and the fragility of your hockey team. Yep. And the Flyers, that's where it is. And the Flyers spent a lot of that early season. We talked about that really good start they had, eight, four, and three. You know, starting out was super strong. A lot of that was Carter Hart and, quite frankly, Martin Jones at the time, stealing you games. Like I, I think of the the forty-one save performance Carter Hart against had against Carolina. I think about um, Martin Jones shutting down the Washington Capitals, like. Games that you had no business winning, your goalies won you. And while Hart and Jones have slipped a little bit, Jones looks a lot more like a backup than he did those first couple of weeks of the season. Your team has also gotten far worse in front of them, and and I don't necessarily know if the goalies deserve a ton of the, the blame here, but they're not stealing you games like, you know, 2001 John Sebastian Jaguar. <laughs> and like you just can't expect that out of anybody. But uh, it's funny because we talked we talked earlier in the season and one of our shows was even called 10 game segments. And I didn't realize how apt that was going to be when I pitched that as an episode title. But it was followed up by a 10 game losing streak. You know, that seven seven or eight games where they looked okay, got some points, stuff like that, and then just right back to another 10-plus game losing streak. And This team really has just swung wildly as the season goes on. And a lot of that, like I said, has to do with the team kind of deteriorating. You mentioned that the team's had a lot of COVID issues at some pretty inopportune times. But overall, it's 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 been a tough season, and I think that's putting it pretty mildly. Well, here's here's the next kind of big thing that I guess is going to happen down the, down the stretch here in terms of losing. Well, I guess not. I guess not because I was about to say there's only three games left in the month and they don't have a win in the month yet. So they could very well do that. So they could do that. Well, but here's the thing: before you get to that, they play Dallas on Monday, and if they don't win that game, they have they will tie a franchise winless streak record at twelve. They play the Islanders the very next night. If they don't win that one either, it's going to be 13. Are, are any other significant records going to get broken this week, Kevin? Uh, what, the Keith Yandel one? Because Keith Yandel, uh, to be honest, this is how out of touch I have been with this kind of thing because it's not something like they do try. To, I'm not trying to sit there. They don't. But you know what? Maybe this is the reason why I haven't paid as much attention to it. They mention it on the broadcast almost every night, right. almost as if Jim Jackson is talking it into existence more and more. Like, just get him to the record, people. Just get him to the record, because that's all that—that's all that it's about at this point, right? Sure, because it's certainly not about winning games, making the playoffs at this point. It's just not. So, but here's the thing: I don't hear that stuff 
when I'm at, at right. a game. So w- there's been enough home games. I mean, I think they've played on the road three times in the last th- two and a half, three weeks. So it's not a lot. So I'm not watching those games on the broadcast to hear everything that's said on the broadcast. Right. So as I'm preparing for it, and I, and I think I don't even know what made me look. I think I went and I checked at some point, but I went to go look, and it's like, oh, he's only two off. And that was before the Buffalo game on Saturday. So that means that he's tying it on Monday and he'll break it on Tuesday. Yep. And that's the end of that. So, well, not the end of that, but like that, that puts him in first. He gets the record and. Well, and here's the thing. I keep hearing people clamor to scratch him once he breaks the record and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, for who though? Right. Well, and at this point, the question is for who the second well, part I is. Well, I can tell you one guy who they could for who. It's not the same style player at all, but it's the type of guy you need to start seeing more and more. It, it should be Igor Zamula. Okay, I agree. If, if, if Cam York is because it, it previously my answer would have been Cam York, but Cam York kind of looks like he's here to stay because he continues to hold a spot in the lineup. Like, like they've kind of Cam York shouldn't finally, go back down. Well, no, because they finally have come to the realization that what's the what's the difference between playing Cam York and playing in Nick Sealer or Kevin Connaughton? It's, Cam York's better. Cam, no, well, yes, but also it's. You need to know what you've got. Yep. Whether 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 he's part of your future or not. It's time to start and, doing and the player evaluation firsthand. No phantoms and there, tape. And, and there's argument and there's arguments for both, like whether he's part of your future or not, because look, you could sit there and say the only way to do anything significant to repair some of the stuff with this team, to get a dynamic player of some kind, is you have to trade a Cam York type prospect. It's the only Fair way enough. to get that dynamic guy. That's if that's where you want to go. Like my my argument to people who have always wanted to get that guy, especially now, is I can't level with people on that until you have a lot more else in place. Like, but the only thing you've got right now is you've got a starting goaltender who is no no lie, keeping you in every game that you've played that he started. Yep. Down to, and, and I'm and that's not a knock on. I'm not trying to put a knock on Martin Jones completely. Like Jones was awful Saturday. But he was pitching a shutout against his former team two weeks yeah. earlier. I've said before. Until the sh- late third period when everything kind of gets out of hand. You know? I've said but, before on this show, I was very skeptical about the Martin Jones signing over the summer. I was supremely, supremely skeptical. I was downright borderline critical of it. And I've said before that he has far outplayed my expectations. Martin Jones has been at bare, bare, bare minimum a very serviceable backup. And at times he's been... A fantastic backup. But like, I, I yeah. can't take anything away from what Martin Jones. Well, has and done especially early in the year, and 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 this and yep. that that was and this was my thing because we started to talk about this last week, and I put the article out today because it was a good halfway point article about the th- like three questions that are facing the Flyers for the rest of the season, yep. and we got it. We got pretty heavy into one of them previously because or, or a couple of them previously because one of them was. Where do they end up finishing in the standings when it's all said and done? Because and where and, do they and, end and, up and, drafting is the most important part of that. Yeah, but see, I, I, and I answer, as I said earlier, um, it like it's going to be a case where like where you end up drafting is a, certainly a question, but there's no exact science to it. The only thing you can control is whatever your odds are. Like yep. right now, you are sixth from the bottom, so you have the sixth best odds to win the lottery. Yep. That that may change. But at best, you're only going to have a 25% chance to win it. But right. the key is, what's your percentage number at the end? Where is where is the average point where you should be? Like, if you finish fourth from the bottom, then the expected place you'll draft is fourth. Right. Maybe but, you win the thing. Maybe you move up. 
but and finishing in the bottom three is no guarantee of getting a top three pick. Just ask the Detroit Red Wings, and ask a lot of other teams. Ask yep. Buffalo, because ask Colorado. Yep. But regardless, I think we've talked a lot about bef- about this before. But that's how you get an impact player is you draft in the top five. Basically, it's it's, it's part of the way. Now, now I saw a good, you know, not good argument, but like. Every, look, if you want the real impact player, your goal is number one next year. Yep. Absolutely. That's Connor be Bedard the is the next. Yes. He's the next guy at that elite level. I don't know if he's Connor McDavid level, but he might. he's probably yeah, at Austin Matthews level. Why did they all name Connor? I, something was going on in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, Jesus Christ. These kids were born in 2005. Oh, man. Sorry. I just had a little bit of an existential <laughs> crisis there. Uh, Connor Bedard was born in 2005. Please don't talk to me about that. We're going to do a show next week. And I was in middle school I... when Connor Bedard was born. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, next year, like you said, next year is the goal if you're looking for that number one, that franchise well, that, changer. But here's something important because go to McDavid's draft. Just go back to McDavid's draft. That's the year that you draft Ivan Provorov. That's the year you draft Travis Konechny. And whether you, whatever you feel about those players right now is not here or there. But right. look at who's around them. Nico right. Rantanen was in that draft. Timo Meyer was in that draft. Meyer just had a five-goal game the other day. Yeah, sure did. Guess, Rant- guess, Rantanen plays. Guess Rantanen who had him in fantasy? Oh, my well, opponent. You, yeah, I was like, who you're playing, no, right? Always. Not me. Yeah, who you're playing always. Yep, friend of the show, Dom. Oh, yeah. But but you know what I'm saying? Like you have those guys, Kyle Connor, Tom Shabbat, you know, like they were all in it. Uh, uh, Matt Barzell was in that draft. Like yep. Bruins passed on him getting, three times. Can you imagine getting a draft, though, where, yeah, everybody's going to talk about the first two. But wait until you get to the middle, too. And there's guys it's who are going draft. to be impact. Right. Like like potentially if you can get guys in the middle who are impact players, like truly impact players that, cha- that change the team because. Joel Farabee has the potential of being that. He does and he he doesn't because, like, in the sense that he's going to score a lot of goals. I don't know if he's your game changer. Man, I I think this – it's been a while since this team had a guy who scored a lot of goals. No, scored a lot of goals, yeah. Then you'd have to go back to probably, like, Jeff Carter. Uh, Right. Who's the last consistent – Or Danny Briere. Who's the last consistent, let's say, 35 to 40 goal scorer this team had? Probably Jeff See, Carter. My, I was say, my, my issue with what you're saying is that if you if you want to stretch it to 35-40, then you're probably going Carter and then Gagne. Right. And then, and, and, and then but if you wanted to say 30, I was going to sit there and tell you your last consistent 30 was probably was probably Briere. And when did Danny Briere leave? 2014? 15? He's been gone for a while now. He's been gone for a whole generation was, of players. He, was, he has, but... Like he's he he just interviewed for the general manager job for the Montreal Canadiens, and you mentioned well, him in your article for ninety seven three ESPN as a potential name to watch for the seg- Flyers. Well, thank you for segueing into it. Like it, it's not that I I'm not saying to, he's a name to watch. Like I don't I don't have an intel that something's happening. As a matter of fact, current GM of the team is having a press conference later this week at a date and time to be determined. Right. So I've been told. So. I just mean if the if the organization decides to make a change, I know that's a name you mentioned, but it's been well, that it's long since because, Danny Briere has been right. in the league but that he's had time to earn his dues but in fairness, elsewhere. 
in fairness, it's a name I mentioned because of the fact that basically the reports came. There were reports out there once everything happened with Montreal, once they picked the GM, once Kent Hughes gets that job, that oh, he was definitely in the running. Briere was definitely in the running. He Absolutely. was definitely a finalist, and there was definitely concern on the Flyers' part of losing him right. when they've kind of groomed him to be something in their organization. Now, before everybody freaks the hell out and starts going crazy about the fact that it's another former Flyer, he, this is a little different. First of all, he's had a lot of playing time elsewhere. He so wasn't he, a Flyers he, he draft was, pick. He wasn't a Flyers draft pick. He wasn't a forever Flyer. He wasn't a has prospect he, has, for the has Flyers. He, has he consider, come to make Philadelphia and the Philadelphia area his home? Yes, he has. Sure. But let's put it this way. Do you classify Chris Pronger as that type of guy? As a as a career flyer? No, absolutely not. Well, well, right. Would you, you know, when he was being groomed by, you know, and, and this was at a time, I believe, in Florida, like he was part of the Florida Panthers organization for a little while, and Peter Luko's down there, who also had his hands all over the flyers for years, and then went on to take a job like that. Would you have taken a guy like that who's being groomed for that type of role? Absolutely. Who's being prepared for it? He would make a great front office guy of some kind and Danny Briere is on his way to being that guy too because he is literally operating a team day to day two levels down from the NHL as we speak and from from all accounts doing an excellent job like right so next you come into where does it go from here and see to me the question is not is is it Fletcher or is it not it's if it's you know if it is then it is but if it's not when because do you want him to run the whole rest of the season? Do you want to wait until the offseason? Because then he's handling your trade deadline and somebody else is handling your offseason. Now, you could theoretically, you could do that. You could sit there and say, Chuck Fletcher, it's going to be your job without like without actually saying it to him. But your job now is to go collect assets. We, we need picks. We need prospects. We need picks. We need prospects. And then when the season's over, who's going to make those picks? The next guy. Right. Well, and and there's a concept that uh, the Steve Dangle podcast has talked about pretty extensively, and it's at a certain point, you don't get the opportunity to clean your own mess up. And uh, I'm going to compare two situations here, uh, one where the guy got a chance to clean his own mess up and one where he didn't. Uh, the one where he did, I'm going to mention Joe Sackick in Colorado. Joe Sackick was their general manager the season they were essentially tanking. They were atrociously bad. I think they ended up with 48 points or something like that across an 82-game season. Was this 10-11? No, it was more recently than that. It was... Um, oh, then it had to be... The, it's got to be the Patrick year. Yeah. It's got to be 16-17. They were, they were at the bottom of the standings. And they That's didn't get the year the I'm talking pick. about. And Joe Sackick was still your general manager for that. And the team allowed him to stay in that role and to essentially orchestrate the rebuild because they saw what he was doing. They saw that he was acquiring all these young talent. They saw that he was, you know, blah, blah, blah. He picks Miko Rantanen in that draft, and the rest is history, right? The Colorado, he, they, they yeah, have okay. now built an incredible, an incredible program. Oh, I, don't, I don't think that was the I'm same sorry, that draft. Was, but that was Kel yeah. McCarr. Yes. Because he, so here's the thing. They were an awful team like 10, 12 years ago, 10, 2010, 2011, and they turned that into that was their, they got the second overall pick, and that was where Nathan McKinnon went. Right. No, I'm talking about the more recent one when they ended up picking McCarr, but they finished last and got screwed by the lottery. Right, McKinnon, and ended up might, wait, McKinnon might, have been, might have been a first. I think I'm thinking of Landeskog when I'm thinking of a second. Maybe. Um, but they they got screwed by the lottery, ended up picking fourth, ended up getting Kel McCarr, who apparently the Flyers wanted. Thanks, Bobby. 
And <laughs> the rest is history. They allowed Joe Sackett to stay in that situation and to essentially orchestrate the rebuild and clean up his own mess from the tank. And it worked out, and it's worked out really well. A situation where a guy wasn't allowed to stay and clean up his own mess. I'll mention uh, Pete Shirelli in, in Edmonton. Mm. But that situation was such a disaster because they allowed you to sign your backup goaltender to a three-year contract extension the day before they fired him. And that has been a little muddy. So there's kind of there's, – there's benefits on both sides. Do you allow Chuck Fletcher to stay in the organization? He already has that familiarity. He already knows all your prospects. He knows kind of how the system works. Do you trust him to break it all down and you know rebuild it in his own image, as it were? Or do you start fresh and do you give someone like Danny Briere or, you know, one of these other names floating around? Do you hand them the keys and say, go, tear it down, rebuild it, this is on you? And I'm really not sure what the Flyers should do, but if if management, if Comcast, if Dave Scott, whoever makes the decision, if they decide that Chuck Fletcher isn't the guy for the job... I do certainly like Danny Briere as a name. Yeah, for sure. But so uh, well, I'm looking up at the Colorado thing for a second yeah. because I have all my years messed up a little bit with this. Because okay, so here's the here's the issue. First of all, I've I have the 2010-11 Colorado Avalanche on my brain because of the fact that they were the last team with two 10-game winless streaks in the same season. Okay, it's a stat we've they heard a lot this week. They've got they got the second overall pick that year's draft and used it on Gabe Landeskog. Right. Two years later, they had the first and got Nathan McKinnon. Yep. And then but but here's the thing. So in the years since in 2015, they had the 10th and they got Miko Rantanen in 2016. Their first was 10th overall. Also, they got Tyson Jost. Yep. Nice player. Yeah, Um, certainly. Fourth overall in 2017, Cal McCarr. We know all about that one. I mean, they had, they had, look, they're getting payoff from a first from two years ago in 2019 with Alex Newhook right now. He looks, he looks good. He's actually a name I've heard mentioned in possible uh, if Giroux ends up going to Colorado talks, but I don't think Colorado would move him. I would love Alex Newhook. There's no way. There was a big, lengthy segment on NHL Network earlier this week that focused on Boston, potentially. I've been calling it, man. I'm telling you, especially now that they're playing games with that perfection line and they're they're mixing it up a little bit. So We've been at it now for like maybe, no, 40 minutes or something like that in this show. I feel like we need to absolutely get into some of the craziness with the numbers. Okay. With over the last couple of like these two winless streaks, you know, how they've had two of them. Yeah, let's talk and, about these a little bit. So the Flyers have I done some whole, historic things here. Well, because because here's the thing. At the end of the day, and I don't know if I'm going to continue. Like I might tweet this later on because as things go, because most of the year, and I think I've there have been a small handful of rare exceptions where I haven't done this. And it usually is not because I'm like, oh, I'm not writing takeaways, right? You know, like, but I, I'm not writing takeaways as frequently anymore lately because either, you know, I think there was one game where I didn't even bother because of the fact that it was late, like it was a late game. There was just no reason to earlier this week. I didn't write takeaways after Monday because they were playing the Islanders the next night. And I went, you know what? 
I didn't see a whole hell of a lot in that game. I'll do five from the pair. Okay. Let's just do five from the pair. They're playing the same team tomorrow. All you right. know, like, like it's not like I'm trying to do a whole week's worth of observations. And then Thursday hit, and they lost both. Like, they lost again. Now it's 10-game winless streak is back again. So it's the second time around. I didn't write takeaways. I just wrote on the historic, you know, the kind historic of Historic nature of everything. Of what this was. And then when they lost yesterday, I did what I did today, which is here's the halfway point of the season. Here's three questions. Not we don't need to do takeaways from the game itself. You're not paying attention to most of the game if you're reading it, like to be honest. So I don't know if I'm going to start doing it on a weekly basis. I don't know if I'm going to start doing it on a because because there was an element like one of the games earlier this month when they played Anaheim. One of my takeaways was completely a thousand percent dedicated to just how much fun I had watching Anaheim. Like, hey, they're a fun young team. They've got this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And they drafted this guy, this guy, this guy. So this they're coming or they'll be stars soon. Like, yep. You know, whatever. And they're going to. Zegris Milano and Troy Terry are just fun to write about. And Zegris didn't even play. Right. That night. Remember getting excited for players? It was a fun time. <laughs> right. But now we're sitting here going, well, Cam York, he might as well come up and play the last so 40. Let's th- so let's go through this list because, you know, as like one of the things I put in there, ten losing 10 games in a, in a row in a season, which, again, you know, technicality, it yes, it's a winless streak. I hate the term, to be honest, because at the end of the day, it doesn't make a difference to me. Like, I, I know the technical term. Would you rather for- just call it a losing streak? I, I have been. Okay, good. Like, like I agree. What I'm, no, because what, but what I'm saying is, is that I, for every time that it happens, I see somebody who, like, I'll see a quote tweet from some, like, of someone quoting the tweet that somebody used to say, oh, it's an 11 game losing streak for the Flyers. And someone will come back with, well, but it's a, a it's actually just streak. winless because they got points. No, and, in. And, 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 and listen, it's not, it's not that it's people try, like, it's not like it's people who are, fans doing it like right. it's respected hockey writers like it'll be somebody like frank saravalli who's gonna add on to that like it is technically a winless streak hey, when the flyers went nine rounds deep in the shootout uh with the the islanders on tuesday did they win that game well no that's the point so that's did, what they, did they lose that game yes okay so it's still a losing streak <laughs> that's that's my logic on it right yeah, like but, at the end of the day did you win the game no did you lose no. the game Right, yes. and, and and that's the logic that I take at the end of the day because whether you got the loser point and whether you didn't, like that's why everybody calls it the loser the point. Loser point. Because at the yeah. end of the day, that's what it is. Now, here's the deal. I get why people like. I get that it's technically a winless streak. I just feel like it has more of an impact. Like, no, they're not straight up losses. But I did this earlier in the year when they had a ten game winless streak to start with, and went, oh, by the way, with the exception of, and I forget which game it was, but there was one toward the end of that too where they lost in like an overtime. But there was a good stretch in the middle or something like that. Because, again, like I said, the first one of both of them was an overtime or overtime or shootout loss in both cases. I'm gonna, now I'm going to switch over. I was going to get into all these numbers that I wrote in this other article, but I want to see something really quick because I want to go back to the first one. Um, they, okay, so they lost in a shootout to Tampa in the first one, and they lost to Florida uh, in overtime in the fourth one. So from 4 to 10. Carolina, New Jersey, Rangers, Tampa Bay, Colorado, New Jersey. Again, that was six in a row. And if they would have lost three more in regulation, that would have matched their longest true losing streak. Okay. In terms of no points, no nothing. So they had a six legitimate six game losing streak 
nine game or ten game winless streak. Okay, that's the way people are really going to look at it. I just think that that's it, like I, I think it sugarcoats it. It it sure does. It's and and it's, like we talked about on last week's show, it's not the same as the Dave Haxtell ten game losing streak where you're oh five and five and you get five points and you're you know you're feeling okay because you've recouped at least a little bit of playoff value. Like we're looking more like oh eight and two. Oh, oh, nine and two. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, you're not picking up points in half the games. You're well, not I, in half the games. You're I, losing to the Ducks 4 1. You're losing to the Buffalo Sabres 6 to 3. You're losing to Pittsburgh 6 to 2. You're losing to LA 6 to 3. Like, you're getting your doors blown off. You're not in any of these games. It's losing well, so, streak because no, they're know, losers. I, I, I think. <laughs> I think I, I think I said this when the first one this year was going on, that when they last had one, because everybody remembers the last ten game winless. The one where they made well. the playoffs after it. Yeah, but you know what the difference was, and you already just hit on it. You were they, in the games. Well, they went oh five and five. Yep. I think they had five games that went extra time. Where you're going, is this the one that snaps it? Is this the one that snaps it? Is this it? Like they were in overtime constantly yep. throughout that stretch. Yeah, they were losing games, but it wasn't until the like people got really fed up with I think the last two games of that ten game winless streak because of the fact that the last two were like shutout losses or really bad like three three one losses that they were never really in the game you know like stuff like that it was never like all the other ones were four three overtime five four overtime five four shootout like everything was it, like and and it wasn't as bad to go like to the point of. You know, okay, yeah. If you're losing games five four, you're giving up a lot of goals. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to say that, but 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 at least then the goaltending was bad, and you could excuse it. <laughs> well, for one, but it wasn't like you weren't scoring. You were in you were in all those games at four three or five four or whatever because you were finding a way to kind of go. You know, like hey, if you score four goals regular regularly, it should be enough to win, right? You know, so you weren't questioning. Oh God, they've got nobody who can score. You know. You weren't sitting there going, they, they just can't score. Like, do you see the results recently? And I'm not talking, like, and I don't want to downplay 6-3 in yesterday because of, no, because, of, like, one of the things I put at the end of the game is I said, I don't care if it's garbage time or not. Claude Giroux scores a goal. You better be savoring it right now. Yep, and he got two. I don't know how, well, yeah, but the second one gave him a lead. No, I know. That was the difference. The first, or the first one he scored, the second goal of the game gave them the lead at them. If you if you can believe that. I know. No, I, I believe it. But Claude Giroux. But yeah. you see all these other ones, 2-1, 4-3 in a shootout, 4-1, 3-2, 3-2, 3-2, 6-2, 4-1. Like, There's how many games they don't score goals? They yeah. are not and, – and and you know what? Sometimes that's not because of the fact that they don't come close. Like, right. they have times they come close and they just can't finish. It just is the way it is. And but. the second Giroux goal yes, uh, Saturday, the third of the game for the Flyers, was a junk time power play goal. Like, it's not <sighs> – that's not a productive goal. Like it, it's good for his numbers. It's good for the Bobby Clark chase. It's good for X, Y, Z. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change the game at all. There's five minutes left or whatever it is. Like there's, you know what I want to say? And I don't know if we're going to say it, mm-hmm. but we've seen it work in across the league this year. It's time to see a Jersey on the ice. I was, you know what? It's funny. I'm you surprised it hasn't because- happened. Well, when it happened in Edmonton again, I think because it wasn't the fir- that hasn't been the first time in Edmonton, has it? But it happened recent. But it happened recently. <laughs> there were three like, on the ice in Edmonton the other night. Right, but that's what I'm saying. So, it, it, like that happened, and I went, 
I'm a little surprised that I haven't even seen it here. But then again, I you know why I thought I haven't seen it here, to be honest? I think because... people here are apathetic. It's yes. not even that they're mad. They're, they don't care. Be- well, because what do you what do you do when you watch a game? You and if you're ownership, that's death. Anger sells tickets. Anger drives conversation. Anger helps your marketing at least a little bit because your fans care. Flyers fans are apathetic. Yeah, but you, okay. Can I say something about the Edmonton Oilers for a second that kind of feeds into this a little bit? Yeah. I'm not talking about his comments, but they got scored against to start the game on Saturday night against Calgary. And there's right away there's a video and Leon Drysdale slamming the door on the bench like they're like at least you see an element of they're pissed. But they're why upset. is he so pissy? Yeah, I'm not going there. We're but, not. We're not covering that no, today. No, but but I sit there and I go, there's your emotion. You know, like people it loved it when the video from that ESPN Plus game a few weeks ago against Pittsburgh, Joel Farabee can't get a shot off on a power play. He runs down the tunnel, just nukes his stick. stick. Right, yep. but people loved that because of the fact they go. There it is. There's a guy who looks like he's really upset about something. That's how we all feel. I said the same thing all last season. Joel Farabee is the only guy who cares. And I know Claude Giroux cares. I I know that. But we've seen that for a decade plus. And we know he cares and expect it out of him. But out of the newer Flyers, you know, guys who have joined the team in the last three or four years, Joel Farabee is the only one who cares, it seems like, half the time. And while we're talking about Joel Farabee, I think it's pertinent to mention this. Because in case you were hoping for any sort of turnaround, any sort of comeback, any sort of revitalization from the team, the one guy who cares, Joel Farabee, is out four weeks. Right. I mean, in Tuesday's Tuesday's game, I believe it was, against the Islanders, I'm watching that game and I'm going, every time Joel Farabee was on the ice, something was happening in a positive way. Yep. And, and I know that there's not many positives to pull out of games, but he was all over the place. He is one of the He's only guys who has a pulse. I'm glad he gets four weeks away from this black hole of a team. I hope he goes and remembers how to have fun and enjoys life and enjoys hockey and is just far away from this dumpster fire black hole of a hockey team. Because he, deserves, he, he yeah. deserves a better team around them. He's played his way. He's cared enough that he deserves a better team around them. Now, I don't know the extent of his injury. Like Four weeks is what it is, obvi- obviously, but... Like I'm saying, in his case, kind of like kind of like Derek Broussard right now, like you don't need, not don't need. It's just like it sounds like he'll be back at some point, right? Sure. I don't come back till you're 100. percent We don't no, need guys playing at 95 percent at this point, especially not guys who are young and who we want to potentially keep through you know some tough times coming up. That's not even that's not even where I'm going with this at this point. Like, okay. to me, you have another name up on this banner who I think will not play for the rest of the year. I think Kevin Hayes is done for the year also, yeah. So uh, when they announced that because Joel Farabee was out four weeks, the Flyers also announced that Kevin Hayes was back on the IR. They didn't which, really specify no, a whole the, lot. But. Which goes to the three- to four-week timeline that he yeah. has. But but what if it's not four weeks? You know, what, like, to me, and I put this – again, I put this in the questions – about because because I kind of let off the who makes it through the trade deadline question with this because you're not going to get like Kevin Hayes and Ryan Ellis and Sean Couturier who are spending more, probably at this point more than half of the season on the shelf right you know and I like look I'm not trying to be like I'm not being ridiculous here of course I know that Ellis has played four games this year and of course I know how many games Hayes has played I'm saying I'm saying Couturier could end up spending half the year on the shelf too yep. with the way things are going that after playing in the first 29 games, like he's only really missed 12 games. 
if you can believe that. But well, like we mentioned earlier, these games like, feel like they're four hours long. Right. So, but so to me, if you get to, I mean, the early thing to do was get to was to get to February because if you got to early February and everything was perfect in, in like if it was a perfect world and there wasn't like the pause was happening for the Olympics and you were doing everything like that, then you were going to have two and a half weeks off. And in those two and a half weeks, if those guys were not starting to make a return and come back, I mean, then you had some really serious things to answer. Now, obviously, that's different. And I guess real quick here before we dive back into these numbers and all that type of stuff, um, there was a, a bit of news for anybody who still happens to care. Um, <laughs> there were reschedulings. So uh, they bumped. So I think the Flyers had games to make up against Detroit, Pittsburgh, Washington, and Carolina. Uh, the Detroit game that they had to make up is on February 9th. The Pittsburgh game is on the road, and it's on uh, February 15th. Washington, February 17th. Carolina, February 21st. All of those games are at 7 o'clock, except for the Carolina game, which happens to fall on President's Day. So that'll be a 3 o'clock matinee. Um, they also bumped up from the, from the 23rd of February. The Detroit game that was on the road, they moved that to February 12th at noon. Thank you. Um, they moved up from the 28th, the game against St. Louis that's at home, to February 22nd. Okay. And everything else stays intact. And that basically just creates a more competitive balance, I guess, is what they were going for, the league was going for, rather than say, here's the four games, one Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, back at it. Right. Like they would have played one game in about two weeks with that, as opposed to, they okay, they come, back from, they come back from All-Star Weekend, they play a game on a Wednesday, they play a game on a Saturday, they don't play again until the following Tuesday, then then you're quick Tuesday, Thursday, typical, but then the whole weekend's open until a Monday, Tuesday, back-to-back, then three more off until a Saturday game against Washington, also in the afternoon. I'm loving all these afternoon games, by the way. Oh, yeah. All right, so back to the numbers. Yeah, let's go back to these numbers, and then we will head towards a wrap here. We're not going to be a super-duper long show because, man, this team is just depressing. Right, so... First of all, I said, like one of the things I said was I wrote in there was losing 10 games in a season is really not as uncommon as it may seem. It's actually happened four times already this season. Of course, two of those happen to belong to the Flyers, but <laughs> but nonetheless. But I but actually, so there have only been 12 such streaks since the 2017-18 season. That also includes an additional 10-game streak for the Flyers in, in 27-18. So basically, the Flyers have accounted for 25% of these streaks in the last four seasons. God. Um why? So basically, uh, since the time we've started this show, yeah, great time, um, fantastic. Yeah. So, okay, now now this is a part of history, franchise history, because they've done they've done this. This is the ninth time that they had a double digit winless streak, as it's called. Okay, and this is the first time two of them have come in the same season. Yep, that hasn't happened to, for, for any NHL team since the 2010-11 Colorado Avalanche, which we have already talked about. That was eleven seasons ago. It's happened, including that Avalanche team, it's happened 38 other times in NHL history, but only twice since the lockout of 2004-2005. Of okay. The, the modern only, so era, the only, as it were. Right, the modern era. The only other team that we can include besides the two I've already mentioned is the 05-06 St. Louis Blues. Okay. Um, it's happened only five times, five other times, since 2000. In the last 30 years, it's only happened 12 times that a team has had two 10-game winless streaks in the same season. In four of those 12, multiple 10-game losing streaks were the result of expansion teams still in their first two seasons of existence. Okay. 
Yeah, and and it's tough to compare an established franchise with man, people with forget beginning. just how bad expansion franchise rules used to would be. It, would it shock you if I told you one of them was not the Atlanta Thrashers? Yes. Now they they were one of the teams. This is why I said it's not that uncommon. Just not in the they first were, two years. No, no, no. They no, no, no. They were one of the te- they never had two in the same season. Okay. They were well, one of the teams that did have one, <laughs> right? At, like at different points, but they have not had no. two in the same season. Um, hang on, let's keep going. Yeah, where because here's where they take it to a new level. Um, for many of the, I said, as I, and I didn't really get into a number. I didn't bother to count because I right. wasn't going to go figure all this out. But for plenty of teams that have endured two ten game winless, losing, however you want to look, just at call it, them streaks. losing streaks. I know I wrote losing in the article for what it's worth. Okay, we're in not going to say winless streak again this show. They are losing streaks. Okay, fine. <laughs> In a season, usually, uh, oh, the second streak came late in the season, usually within the final 10 games. After you've sold all your rentals at the deadline, after you've and, called up your AHL guys and right. essentially my mailed next, it in. My next line of the article is, this can be somewhat understandable for teams that have nothing left to play for, not much road left ahead, and may have also traded away players to contenders. Yep. The roster takes a hit and the losses can pile up. Yet in here we Flyers, are at game 41, right, halfway the Flyers, through the season. In the Flyers' case this season, these two streaks have come just 40 games into the season, so not even the halfway point. So there's a, real chance, many, there's a real chance they snag another one this year. Okay, hold on. Do you know how many times that has happened? For, for losing streaks, two 10-game losing streaks by game 40. I, not a large number, I would imagine. Four other teams have done <laughs> Now, how many of those were expansion teams like we talked about? Uh, the 1967-68 Oakland Seals did it in 38 games. They were in their first year of existence. Okay. Uh, the 1984-85 Toronto, Ma- uh, or Toronto Maple Leafs did it in 28. They were the only exception. Not an expansion there. team. Okay. Right. Okay. So 74-75 Washington Capitals did it in 29. This they were the historically bad. But that was their first season in the league. Yeah. And finally, the 92-93 Ottawa Senators in 38 games, also their first season in the league. So what you're saying is that the Flyers are on the same level as bad, 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 bad expansion teams in their right. first year of existence and one random Maple Leafs thing. They've been around for 130 years. They get a little bit of a pass on that just because whatever stuff happens. But that's where the Flyers are. That's how historically atrocious that this Philadelphia Flyers team has I'm not, been. I'm not done. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, because first of all, I go, so this is obviously not the Flyers' first season in the league. Uh, and one thing that the four teams that I just mentioned, so all four of the other ones that have done this, all, one thing they all have in common is that they all played prior to the lockout when ties were abolished and the shootout was brought into the game. So ties did prolong such winless streaks and okay. it really was winless because you that's say, winless right because then you would sit there and say well how many of them were ties how many right. of them were losses just like there how the flyers have the 35 game unbeaten streak it wasn't a winning streak there were some ties in there but it's a 35 game unbeaten streak right kind of the same concept just on the good side of things okay so let's continue here so this yeah. it, like and that's why i said for the flyers these are this is different these are losing streaks where the loss comes in re- whether the loss comes in regulation by virtue of three on three or the dreaded seals competition it is the shootout um in the first 10 game losing streak this season they were 0 8 and 2 having just two games go beyond regulation the current one is um okay so the current one now i should update I wrote this at 10, so that's why it says what it says. But it's right. 11 now, so they are currently 0-8-3 instead of 0-7-3. 0-8-3. So that means collectively, in 21 games this season, they have earned five points without getting a win. 
And that's with but, the loser point there. That's with your shootout, your right. your overtime shootout point. That's <sighs> right. Okay, so I said, no, let's keep going. To make matters worse, since November 16th, the Flyers' final win prior to the first 10-game losing streak, the team had an 8-4-2 record through 14 games somehow. We already yep. kind of touched on this. So in 27 since, they are 5-16-6 and six, and have earned 16 points to get to 34 total. Um, and those five wins all came in about then, a two-week okay, stretch. So, I, so now, again, this was written prior to the Saturday game, so I did this. Finally, a look into the future. With more than half the season still ahead, the official halfway point comes Saturday in Buffalo. Who's to say there isn't an additional streak of some kind still ahead? At least of, one. Well, okay, what, see, here's the problem, Kevin. Yeah. The problem with that theory is that they have to win another game before they can start a losing streak. Okay, so hold on. I, I, no, I got you covered. Because that might not happen the way this team's playing. I said, who's to say there isn't an additional streak of some kind still ahead? Or what if this streak extends to establish more unfortunate franchise records? It's gonna. Okay. So I said, the Flyers aren't all that far off from one. Sitting at 10 straight losses, the longest winless streak in Flyers history is 12 in the 98-99 season. Obviously pending results in Buffalo and at home against Dallas on Monday. Well, we already got a result in Buffalo, so we can keep going. The team could be in position to set a new record as soon as next Tuesday when they make a return trip to Long Island to face the Islanders. And looking at it, the Dallas is, you know, I know they've had some struggles this year, but they're within a playoff spot reach. They're kind of they're in the mix down out there in the West. They're going to be gunning hard for those two points. And then the Islanders just beat you twice. Right. So hang on. Let's keep going. And whenever this streak does finally come to an end, how many games will be left for another one to possibly take place? (sighs) Only only six times in NHL history has a team had a a winless streak of 10 games in a row three times in a season. That hasn't happened since the 97-98 Tampa Bay Lightning. Thank God it's been done. (laughs) Hold on. Ready? Only two of the aforementioned teams, or aforementioned four teams to reach this mark within 40 games had a third streak. The 92-93 Ottawa Senators had a third 10-game winless streak that season. Okay. Uh, and then I wrote, because I stopped it there, so it only mentions one with the three. Right. The 74-75 Washington Capitals, who were on that list, are the only team in NHL history with four wow. such streaks. That might but get that tied. Me- who knows? And I, and I, I went so, and of course, I was like I finished up with. So, why does this matter? Because there's no end in sight for this. Sure, they might eventually snap this streak, but then there are deadline deals to be made. Changes could be coming during the season. Uh, there might not be help with currently injured players returning. You know that kind of stuff. It's going to lead to plenty of losses down the stretch, maybe even consecutively. Write it on your schedule. If we get four ten-game losing streaks this season, I'm driving to Philadelphia for that Pittsburgh game the last Sunday of the season. And I'm throwing a jersey on the ice. Oh, man. If no one's done it, I'm doing it. I'll live stream it on the YouTube I, channel. Make sure to subscribe. I don't think you're going to have to. Which game was this? The, the final. This is the, you're talking about the Pittsburgh game? The, the Sunday final Sunday Monday. of the season. Yeah. I don't think you're going to have to I, worry. Uh, the no, way this team's you, going, man. No, you got, people, you got people who are sneaking bags into the arena. I don't think you're going to have to worry about I that. better not be the first, man. If I'm the first, we're going to have problems on this show. Well, do you want me to tell you? Here's here's your perfect wrap up. Do you want me to tell you where they are in the league standings too? Not low enough. No, but they're getting there. Is my point because yep. now now the okay. So the Islanders are tied with them. The Islanders did not win on Saturday night. To yeah, but how many games game in hand? Seven. So yeah, they'll get the there. Islanders are ahead of them. Hold on. I Next. Know. So <laughs> uh, no, New Jersey actually did pass them the other night or on Saturday night because they beat of all teams they beat Carolina. Yep. Carolina was on a back-to-back, so I do understand. It's how a Carolina... scheduled loss for Carolina, for sure. Um, to New Jersey, I don't know for sure. In New Jersey, 
Carolina at one point in time though had that game at four four, I think. Yeah, and but I think I, I just mean when you're creating the schedule, you kind of look at that. That's a supposed it's supposed to be a loss for them. It could be. I don't know. Um, Chicago has since moved ahead by three points. Columbus is three points up and has games in hand. Like obviously, the looking up, it's becoming a climb for those teams, right? Buffalo is now one point behind the Flyers after Saturday's win, so they're catching up. And now they hey, at least they did it in regulation. Uh, n- now they do not have games in hand. So right. Buffalo has the same number of games played as the Flyers do, and they are one point ahead of Buffalo. Right. So, they also have the same number of wins. They do. That's true. Um, Seattle has a game in hand, Ooh. and they are six points back. I'd so, also like to mention closer, that the Flyers have a worse a worse goal differential than Buffalo and Ottawa. The Flyers only, okay. are minus 39. Buff- then Buffalo, I'll give you. Then Ottawa is a little tricky because Ottawa's only played 34 games. So They're Ottawa not making it up 11 goal differential in... In the seven games, more you than likely. You hope they don't. No, and Ottawa's actually, like, okay, so they're not a good team. Like, they're not making the playoffs this year. No, but they're actually an entertaining team to watch because they're, you see the promise with exactly. some of these players. Exactly. They're right? a scrappy team. They have some talent. They can, they've can. they beaten some very good teams this year. And they don't lay, and they don't lay down every single night. You know, They, like they, they don't, don't lay down any night. Yeah, I know. Um, okay, Brady so Kachuk. So, so, basically, but by the way, so I've, I've been – how many weeks in a row? I don't know if I did it last week for the first time or if I did it the week before also. But I've been call, I've been walking around with this. I've been saying bottom five team, bottom five team yep. for a while, right? There's the two teams that we just mentioned, Buffalo and Ottawa, that make it so. I think you because, started saying it privately about two weeks ago. I think it took until last week for you to say it publicly on the we show. Didn't, well, no, you know, it, was, it wasn't that. I don't think it was that completely. It was like... Um, I was already saying it pri- like privately because it was, we were having conversations off the air, and I like right. sometimes during games. Um, I, I think last week was the first chance we really had to kind of get into it because of where the streak was. You know, like let's That's put it this fair. way: did 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 I not kind of call the way that the streak has gone to this point to an extent because they you got have. to a certain point? Well, because it got we got, it got to a certain point as soon as they lost to LA. I said, "Get ready! There's three more losses possibly coming this week." when they played Anaheim, Pittsburgh, and San Jose. And that was before we knew stuff about COVID protocols that kept guys out. Right. Then the week after, it should have been – let's just wait. It should have been eight after that week. It was seven after last week, but it should have been eight because they had Carolina on the schedule, which I knew was probably going to be a loss. Yep. And then they did lose to Boston, and they did lose to the Rangers. And then this week, I, I didn't bank on losses in every game. I what banked I did on three was, out of four. No, what I did was I said – I can't assume that they're going to lose to the Islanders. I know where the Islanders are in the standings. I'm not trying to say they're a great team, but I can't assume that. We haven't seen them yet. The Islanders should be licking their chops for a team like this. Maybe they do extend it, but it, but it is an X, but it is an X factor game. That's one of those ones, especially the shootout one, could go either way. Absolutely. And, and if anybody on the team could score in a shootout, you might have won that game. And the Columbus game, kind of the same thing, could have gone either way. It, I mean, it did. Did it have a good vibe? Not really. No. The old Jake Voracek return game. And then to be honest, like the Buffalo game, the Buffalo game, I was back and forth so much during that game because they got scored on early. It was like a minute 20 in or something like that. And I I wanted to sit there and just jump right in and go, well, there's the one that they, they gave up the first one. Oh, I wanted trail. to roll over and die just immediately. Right. I'm like, so there it is. That I guess that's game. But then they scored too quickly. And of, and of all people who scored the first Rasmus goal. Rasmus on Right. Which, which, which in theory... Even for an average team, take let's take Ottawa. How do you not rally around that? Right, like like that's what I'm saying. Let's take Ottawa. If Ottawa has a player who had a long history somewhere else who scores the goal to tie the game at one first period, whether it's not late in the game, I'm not saying the it's response like goal, 
but but it's no, but it's a goal. And who gets yep. your first goal back in that build? Like you're you're in that building for the first time all year. Who gets your first goal? There, the guy is. who the guy who was there forever. Their draft pick. Right. Yep. So you go. That should motivate you. And for a little bit, it seemed like it did because then Drew sure. scores afterwards, and they're up to one. And, and I kind of sat there thinking, oh, here it is. Then they're going to probably find a way because Buffalo's looks like they're on their heels right now. With an absolutely gorgeous tip by Claude Giroux, by the way, the hand-eye coordination on that, the oof, that was pretty. But the fact of the matter being, okay, so they're up two one at that point. And if they like, to be honest, if they wouldn't, if nothing else would have happened, if they end up up two to one at the end of the first period. I think I, I think that the streak is in jeopardy at that point. I agree. Because, because now they've got they're in the position of control. They go to a break, and if you can just come out and have a good second period, you probably find a way later on. Maybe to find you know like all right, let's let's not act like every game has been a blowout either. I mean, right. they were leading in the San Jose game. I actually thought like that San Jose game could have been the end of it because they were up two nothing and there's 13 minutes left. Yep. Then you and go then to the Martin Jones week. looks like a backup goalie, but that's going to happen. Uh, I wouldn't agree with that completely because of the fact that, like, I know what you're saying because it was Martin Jones and goal that night. Certainly, the, at least the tying goal of that game was just madness in front of the net where no one could cover the guy in front of the net who, who happens to be able to score goals. That's fair. But the Ranger game, the week later, Cam York scores with nine minutes left or a little under ten minutes left. You've got the lead on the yep. Rangers with yep. nine minutes to go or eight or ten minutes to go. And they gave it right back. This team somehow manages to not be able to hold leads, can't come back from deficits, can't play when the game's tied, can't play when they're winning, can't play when they're losing. This team is just bad. So I'm curious to see not only what happens in the beginning, because obviously we're at 11, 12 would be Monday against Dallas, 13 could be Tuesday against the Islanders, and then you're in record territory, obviously. Yep. They've got L.A. on the schedule for Saturday, which was the last game of January, so they could they could pull off a winless January. An O for month. And then I'm curious about February 1st as well, because February 1st, the Winnipeg game, was supposed to be the last game before a long break. Right. It's not anymore, but it is kind of in theory, because you play on Tuesday against Winnipeg, and then you got All-Star Weekend. To me, that's the next winnable game. What, Winnipeg? Yep. I don't think Winnipeg's winnable. I don't think they win it. I think that's the next winnable. I think you're losing all three games this week, no doubt. I don't know. The Islanders, Dallas kind of even worries me a little bit with that, and, and the Islanders do. Because, first of all, when you've seen a team three times in the last week, you better know somewhat of what's coming at you. And, you would and think. To, you know, well, and to their credit, the Tuesday game, they were probably the better team and still found a way to lose the game. I mean, they were lead, again, another game they were leading with under five to go now, and they gave it the tying goal. So I think that they, like, that's, that's the team that I kind of have circled, which would be a, kind of fitting because it would be a matched record. Like, you're... Go, you're essentially in place to go for the record. I wonder if that's going to be a case where maybe the third time around, because you've seen them so frequently, now something happens. But <laughs> see, but as much time as you've had to look at them, they've had just as much time to look at you. I don't disagree, but but to me, like like I have that one kind of labeled. Dallas okay. had a couple. Dallas had a game recently where I think they lost to Montreal. Kind of convincingly, too, I believe. Yeah. And that, like I'm saying, so it's certainly possible. L.A.'s been doing pretty well lately. I don't think that's going to be a win. And Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg, I think, just has more talent than you. And especially if they get some of that, like, because I think they got guys out in some way, shape, or form. I know Nikolai Ehlers is out long term, but 
I think they have guys on COVID protocol too. Right. So we'll see. Well, no. we'll see. I, my confidence isn't super duper high, but uh, I think we're heading towards a wrap here. Uh, we are. Yep. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done talking about this team. I really am. We will be back next week. Uh, make sure, like I said at the top of the show, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to be trying to do the, the premiere thing over there, trying to grow that a little bit. Uh, make sure to follow the show on Twitter. You see it right below me here on the screen if you're watching on the YouTube channel, at YWT Podcast. Kevin's at, Kevin's at Kevin underscore Derso. You can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SportstalkPhilly.com, everywhere. Uh, make sure to follow at SportstalkPHL and at Flyerdelphia. Uh not a whole lot of Eagles coverage, but hey, tell me I didn't nail that prediction last week. You did better than I did. I called 34-10. It ended up being what, 31-7 or 31-14? No, no, no. 31-15. Okay, I, I feel pretty good about that call, to be honest. Yeah, but. I know. I, look, I, I don't feel bad because I guessed the right team. Right. I knew who was going to win, but that, was, that wasn't really going out on a limb. Uh, I thought it was going to be more competitive than it was, and it was pretty <sighs> – well, well, you know what? No, though, because that wasn't a thirty-one fifteen game. That was a thirty-one no, nothing it was, game. But at the same time, and and there were, look, I'm not. We're not an eagle show all of a sudden. No, and we're wrapping up here on the way. No, out. I know. But there were enough, you know, very similar to Flyers games. There was enough mistakes made where you saw where the game got out of your reach. Like there were opportunities to still kind of claw back, make it interesting while it was still close, and they didn't do it. They so, did not but, do it. Interception in the end zone. Oof. Yeah, there was there, right. was there was opportunities, but it, it it is what it is. I actually had you know what. Because the game was at 1 o'clock yesterday, I had a really good time later in the evening watching some really good football. There you go. And all your all your responsibilities were done, so you, I'm sure you had an adult beverage uh, or actually, two. actually, not completely. I put together the article that we were referring to today okay. um, while I was sitting there watching football last oh, night. Oh, well, there you go. So I, I kind of somewhat in between the two games and somewhat like a little bit of halftime work here and there watching the other scores around the league. Nice. You know, and now I get to like legitimately. I'm going to go and take the rest of the day off after this. Or I'm I'm sorry, not completely, because there is a there is media availability first. So I'll I'll get whatever's said and all that stuff and see what happens. All right. But, well, make sure to follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Derso to figure out what happened at media availability. And hey, I'm done talking about depressing teams. We'll be back next week to talk about this depressing team again. So, <laughs> all right. See you guys. <laughs>